Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations. Limited time only. Plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. and welcome to another edition of WrestleNomics Radio. Today is April 21st, 2017. I'm your host, Chris Harrington, and I'm excited to have alongside me my new co-host, Mr. Brandon Howard. Brandon, how are you doing? Good, how are you? Uh, you our, our glorious chairman of WrestleNomics Radio. Yeah. It's, it's, ex- it's great to be with you. I'm excited <laughs> to be back. It's uh, the new and improved WrestleNomics Radio with uh, viewer feedback and the content ecosystem that we have created. We are ready to uh, engage each one of the... Uh, personalities and have influence among their their perpetuity yeah so do we, do we want to talk about like are we going to do this every other week i i'm hoping so that's that i think would be a good you know i think that there's enough wrestling topics every week but i think if you go every two weeks you can be sure that you grab the good stuff not just the stuff so uh yeah. i i'm uh, long overdue i think the last episode i did was almost two months ago when we did the 2016 recap uh, yeah, that you so, joined me for most of, so that was right. Good. That would have been like the middle of February. Yeah, so it's been a couple things that have happened since then. Uh, one of them was the one that I spent all of yesterday covering in my sleep and in my daydreams, which was uh, the WWE Business Partner Summit. And uh, I got the impression that you watched some of this. Uh, I know you weren't live recapping it the way I was trying to, but uh, did you wa- end up watching this or not? I oh yeah, I watched. I I, I definitely played all of it. That's how I describe most of my viewing in life these days. I, I, I play all of it. You know, I, I watch Raw. I, it, it's on. But no, I, I, I watch all of it. Um, I, I rewatched a lot of it, like the first half of it as well today. So um, explain to me this. How long is it? Because it took me, and this is no joke. It's an hour and a half. Seven hours to recap seven this hours. thing. Because well, you sent me this this Google Doc, and it's like a hundred pages long. I was, I was just amazed. One hundred and fifty pages. Yeah, one hundred and fifty pages with two hundred and sixty-two screen caps. Uh, yeah, you can find that up at wrestlenomics.com. My my full recap. I have now recapped the twenty fifteen, the twenty sixteen, and the twenty seventeen. And yeah. I will go on record in saying that besides me. George Berrios and Michelle Wilson, we might be the only three people to have spent as much time watching and thinking about this thing as uh, as it's been out there for the last three years because I've, I've been devouring it. And it's one of my favorite things of the year. Uh, I think it's the most underappreciated aspect of WWE's mm. performance, which is they have this WrestleMania weekend. They bring in all their partners and their um, investors and media companies, and basically it's just an hour and a half of them pitching – but what makes it unique and different is it's not the same spiel that they've given for the year prior. It's kind of the New Year's spiel. 
And so in some yeah. cases, they you finally got them to define and talk about things that we've heard them reference, like super serve and whatnot, localization. Uh, but they actually tried to put it in some context. With that said, I don't know if I've ever listened to so much business mumbo jumbo buzzword uh, bingo as I can. I, I couldn't believe how many I couldn't tweet any of Stephanie's sentences because she was so long winded every single time because there were so many buzzwords thrown in there. Uh, what was your takeaway yeah. from this? Was it? It was, it was incredible. So it's like for people who don't know, this this happens every year at WrestleMania in, in the WrestleMania city. This was. Do you know? Was this recorded on Thursday? Do you think? I think so because they talked about NXT being that night. So what night oh, would oh, that be? Friday. Night okay, then, right? that would have been Friday. Yeah. Friday, right? Because yep. wait, 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 was oh boy, was was like, Hall of Fame was Friday, NXT was Saturday. Okay, it must have been Saturday morning. I don't, morning. I don't know. Yeah. So, <laughs> that that weekend is such a blur now, but <clears throat> but yeah, it's like I, I joke sometimes. This is this is the real main event of WrestleMania, but it was so you're they're in a, a hotel conference room. We've got like all these people, investors, business partners, you know, people like you know, the, probably the people from NBC Universal are there, and Snickers obviously is there, and so on. And uh, it was. I, I watched it entirely, and I listened to, like you said, all the, the business speak. I don't remember it being so severe uh, last year as it was this year. I think I watched this two years. This will be the third year that I've, I've watched it. And it was, you know, w one of the mo most horrific things I think <laughs> I've seen, uh, not just from WWE, but maybe from, from, from all of human history, just the, the nonstop, I think I, I said you know, on Twitter that Stephanie McMahon's speeches in there she was she sounded like she was orating the uh, from the uh, the capitalist manifesto there it was just such a, a glorious celebration of, of entertainment and capitalism and marketing it was it was incredible well i think the coming out party was january of 2014 when they did that ces big launch for the wwe network in las vegas where yeah. they had the whole presentation with all the people in the room and they had Perkins Miller do the skit with DX, and they had all that going on. And that was the first time I remember one of these investor conferences where there was just – everything was scripted to a T of exactly what everyone would say. They brought out all the top executives, and then they tried to integrate the wrestlers. But it's such an odd group because these are business partners. These are not wrestling fans. So yeah. then that they, the people they bring so often, they're tickled by the fact that they're with wrestlers. You know, if you find yeah. their Twitters, they'll say, oh my gosh, I met this guy. They call him The Show. He's seven feet tall. And, you know, they or like the uh, the guy from Snickers who referred to WWE superstar Strowman. Yeah, he was talking time. to Braun Strowman at breakfast <laughs> earlier. And we were just, just discussing storytelling and, and what you love about WWE. And um, I just, I love it. But at the same time, it's like, it's so awkward because they make Asuka go out there in her lingerie wrestling gear and stand in this yeah. room with everyone in their business suits. And yeah, so they, they had Bailey, Alexa Bliss, and, and Oscar out there because because they, they're the three champions and they're they're celebrating the women's evolution and all that. So they've got the, all three of them out there in, in their wrestling gear uh, at, at you know probably 10 a.m. in the morning in Orlando, and, and they've all got you know their championship belts. Yeah, but that, and then even weirder, I thought was at the beginning, or at least you know awkward was they've got New Day comes out and they do a promo and they're a new day and then they get interrupted by enzo and Cass. and enzo and Cass, so they they do that promo that they do in their entrance 
every time where Enzo does his spiel and, and, and Big Cast, you know, does his thing and, and spells out S-A-W-F-T soft. And it sounds so weird with no nobody in the crowd singing along. So you've got a, you know a few hundred you know white collar workers there sitting in the audience and just just com- in complete silence who don't know what in the hell they're looking at. <laughs> I, I really think Triple H should make the NXT people do this because there's nothing that's more commitment to your character than going out there to that death silence and doing <laughs> yeah. it. And that would be the best oh, test yeah. to be like, oh, look, yeah. they were able you know if the Vaudevillians did their gimmick out there, then you're like, wow, these guys got some chops. I mean, yeah. it's just incredible. And New Day, of course, was there last year, too, I remember. They opened it up with the crazy clapping and the crazy. So, you know, I yeah. almost feel like they, they owe it. And, of course, that played in later. Uh, there was five business partners of the year. And it's hard to say whether it's a shoot, you know, whether they don't know they're going to win. I kind yeah. of feel they have to know that they're going to win because they always seem so ready uh, when it happens. But the five this year were spectacular because – in years past, it's always whoever has given WWE the most money that year. So NBCU wins one year. Warner Brothers wins one year. But this year, the five were the Boys and Girls Club of America, YouTube, Snickers, Fox Sports, Latin America, and Toys R Us. And I was just blown away by the fact that the number one person they present, Boys and Girls Club of America, it's all about their anti-bullying campaign with Be A Star. And then yeah. number two was, was like YouTube which is the company that just enacted the wrestling restricted mode. And I was just like, wow, 40% of your business partners of the year here have really put you in a, a quite a sensitive spot recently. And so I was just like, wow, it's hard for WWE to say that they, they don't care about these things when in fact, you know, they, they're saying that these are two of the most important people in their entire business model yeah. right now. I, I'm, I'm kind of putting on my tinfoil hat here, but like, I, I almost wonder I think in previous years we've gotten this presentation a lot faster. Like we were talking about, this happened uh, a couple days before WrestleMania, and we only found it uh, yesterday. And and even looking at the, at the corporate website with the the link that they have for this on the corporate website, it says April seventeenth. So like, was it? What, did we just not see it until yesterday? Was it actually there? I swear I, I looked for it, and I I asked the company directly about it. So right. I find it hard to believe I didn't see it. Uh, I, I and so I kind of wonder like if, if, they, if they like out. sat on it for a week because of the the JBL stuff and and like you said I don't know if you don't know if the YouTube thing really matters Maybe. but because you, you you go through it and there's like there's so much I mean this company is, is so into itself and 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 using you know almost intellectual business speak um, and it, and then you you all the talk about how we listen to our fans there's just incredible levels of uh, you know, unintentional dark comedy and hypocrisy and, and, and all that good stuff. I I was I do feel like this is when it's come out in the past, and I do feel like they've slight they've tried to add it on the sly in the past because the very first time I found it, I remember I actually found it the day that they were updating it, and as they were doing it, they kept changing the description of it on the website. Because that was the year that um, with, the, with the philanthropy comment, right? Yeah, that Stephanie had had quoted somebody about the philanthropy as a way of marketing yourself, right. and right. it kind of blew right. up in their faces. And then they edited it out of the video, and they they kind of edited off the fact that they had it. But yeah, it the, was the, the tweet is still out there. Where she says, you know, I think it's somebody else who says it, but she re, she retweets the quote to the, somebody saying philanthropy is the future of the marketing. And of course, they're they're talking about this in the context of things like Connor's Cure and Make a Wish and all that. Well, that brings up Michelle Wilson. She talked about her four social responsibility initiatives, and it was diversity and inclusion, education, hope, and military. And it was just one of these things where 
throughout George and Michelle's speech and and uh, the the EVP of digital and social, I had the hardest time in the world understanding what were the platforms that they were trying to connect to initiatives. Like just out of the blue, they said these are our social responsibility initiatives for the culture of WWE. And I was like, I don't think diversity and inclusion is the first two things that come to mind when I think of, of WWE's main goals. And it was just really weird where like the, the EVP of uh, social and meet and digital said his three goals were putting smiles on the faces, yeah. program platform specific things and innovate with partners on social platforms. And I was like, putting smiles on your faces as your digital platform I guess that makes sense if your goal is not to make money, then I guess making <laughs> smiles. I, I'm surprised it wasn't emoji smiles on the faces, but uh Oh, oh but they have an, an emoji thing, the a WWE emoji thing that they're putting out, right? It's already out from what I understand. I found it is a it... couple weeks ago and I asked about it and people were what like, No, it's company. out there on iPhones, but I've never checked it out. <laughs> uh yeah. George at one point talked about his three things were gonna be super server audience with the new content in the WWE network localization so that was more about the kind of wraparound shows for the tv shows uh like they have in canada what they want to add in mexico in the middle east or what they have in india where there's like local hosts talking about the content and then engage the next generation of wwe fans and that one was the most quizzical to me because they recognize that what they have right now does not bring in new fans because television is aging and it's such a different thing but at the same time they used the most generic marketing speak to be like, well, 20% of the world's population is under 35. People like to watch a lot of social networks. We're going to be on social networks. That's how we're going to engage the new generation. It's multi-generational watching. And I just kept yeah. thinking, I'm glad you recognize that's a problem, but I don't really feel like that's a solution you've presented as much as you, you've outlined that you have an issue there. You don't feel like what's a solution? Whatever it is they were talking about for how they're going to engage <laughs> the new fans. Uh, you know, just getting likes think, on Facebook. That's like one of the things they were putting over, like you kind of said. Like I, I remember they, them saying a couple times that the, uh, half the world's population is under 35, right? So I don't know. I think they see that the, – the, one of the things I got from it was that the future of WWE, which it kind of is already – is the future WWE is going to be even more international than it is now. I think we're going to see more things like the WUK tournament. They're going to keep trying to do maybe localized brands or events, things like that. And I think we're going to see you know, more and more emphasis on a variety of media platforms. So I think we're going to see, like, and we'll probably talk about it pretty soon, is that I think TV is not just the only way to, to get fans engaged or to, to account for you know, interest and popularity. I think we're going to see more and more focus on things like YouTube or th things like social. Well, yeah, of course, social media, but more and more, more and more ways to consume content, not just on your TV, um, which which I think is a real thing that's already happening. I think that's the thing that accounts for the decline in, in, in TV viewership over the last several years. One thing Triple H talked about is just kind of what they were doing for international recruiting and what percentage of their people came from another country now. They talked about having a giant tryout in Dubai, which was really weird to me, just because I don't think of Dubai as being this mecca of super athletes, but maybe it's it's an easy place because everybody can get there, perhaps, is the idea, that it's it's in the center of everything, or and you don't need to have you know uh, travel visas that will be so restrictive. And they're also going to do another India's China scouting trip, and they want to have, quote, the most 
athletic and, and elite athletes and charismatic athletes in the world. Um, Ed Wells, who is the uh, international EVP, talked. Uh, and that's the one thing I do appreciate about this is that you get to see some people like Casey Collins and Ed Wells and um, Donlin from uh, Digital who, who normally you don't get to see in these meetings. And I think it's really important to see these other sides of the WWE executives. But Ed Wells made a couple really startling claims, including the, the claim that there's 13 million viewers in India watching Raw every week and that South Africa has 4 million viewers watching SmackDown every week. And so – yeah. That that really. Like what is the population of South Africa? Is that South Africa? South Africa doesn't have more people in, in it. I'm gonna look it up. That than the U.S. Right? Because if you're talking four million viewers in South Africa, that's obviously that's more than than is watching WWE on, on traditional television. They got 53 million people in South Africa, and you know, U.S. has got probably like 310, 320. Yeah. So that's like that's an incredible share. <laughs> well, and I, I'm sure it's on some kind of broadcast channel, and it's you know much easier to get. But at the okay. same time, I also. Like someone asked me what what does this mean, and I said number one I don't know, number two <laughs> I don't know how they measure that, and number three yeah. I don't know what it means. And so yeah, a, a lot of this stuff is like when you hear them talk about their social media numbers, it's just like yeah those are big numbers. I don't have any context to put those in to make sense of them. It's just like they may as well be saying gazillions, you know? Yeah. One thing that got me was Casey Collins talking about some of the things they're doing, and number one was games. Uh, games are very tangible, and I do think that they've actually done a good job of finally getting into a mobile platforming gaming and also, of course, continuing their dominance in video gaming. Number two was toys, and they've continued to really expand and grow in that space, even in both brick and mortar and also the exclusives. But number three and number four were really intriguing. Number three was fitness, all about the Tap Out brand. And this is where we learned that Tap Out is buying gyms in New York City. And all yeah. I could think is, like, WWE, again, does not want to seem to learn from UFC's model. And be it Fight Pass or be it UFC gyms, uh, they, they're insistent on going down. They should have talked to Dave, Big Dave about his gym, Dave <laughs> Batista, uh, and whatnot. And then number four is was retail and talking about the, the uh, what was it? Not the EVP stores, the uh, but but just these these WWE sections they had in these uh, entertainment stores. And and Budios, 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 Budios kept coming up throughout uh, this process here, which was really interesting to me uh, how often that came up. And include Casey Collins doing the Budios dance at one moment, which was a, I, I feel like it was almost like a rib where they had bet him that he wouldn't do it, or they wrote it in yeah. the script and they told him that's what he's doing. <laughs> yeah, so probably. It was a. We've talked enough about it, but uh, I, I say if you have an interest in wwe go and watch this if you have a passing interest in wwe business go to wrestlenomics.com and just kind of zoom through my entry look at the screen caps i i think they've done a great job making it a multimedia experience uh they clearly spend an enormous amount of time getting this production ready into a t and uh i'm desperately hoping i get can go to it next year uh in new orleans uh, I'll pull yeah. every string in the WrestleMania uh, <laughs> uh, uh, purse strings to see if uh, they'll, they'll accredit me. And uh, who knows, maybe you'll see me half-heartedly clapping in the crowd like everyone else uh, next there you year. Go. Right, if you just want to see an animated gif of uh, Casey Collins doing the New Day dance, you can go to my Twitter at Brandon Thurston. You can check that out. So you were talking about those aging metrics, and uh, you yeah. wrote a really interesting piece for Fightful that uh, I finally had a chance to check out today. And it was kind of... I, I appreciated it because I felt like it was the way WWE would present their information. 
being mm-hmm. that they would say, we'd like to break our metrics into the young, the medium, and the old, and all these other things. So talk to us yeah. a little bit about uh, this piece that you wrote that you can find. It's called Read This Article Before Sounding the Alarm Bell About WWE TV Ratings. Yeah. So I, I just imagine somebody reading this article standing right next to the fire alarm for, for you know, WWE uh, business panic. But yeah. So I so if you go to Fightful.com, you can find this. Um, I, I think I was... I was doing another podcast somewhere and I was kind of thinking, well, this is an analogy that I think works and makes sense. And for, I've, I've stopped doing it over the last several months, but I, I, on, on Twitter, I would all, often put out this graph of, it would have over a year's worth of, of raw as TV ratings. And, and if you just look at like a year or two years of it, it's a line graph that just goes down and down and down. And, <clears throat> And it's a it's an image that you know it startles a lot of people and it's really interesting to people and it would get a lot of retweets and people would reply to it and quote to it and all that and you get a lot of people real insightful uh, replies too huh yeah you get a lot of people a lot of people saying things like oh my god I didn't realize it was so bad like oh the W has fallen so far um, and I, there's a lot more to that story than than meets the eye when you just look at that graph um, so I guess the the point is. I'm trying to make this analogy that there's, we should look at metrics and we're, and when the point is that, right, that we're trying to assess whether or not WWE is gaining in popularity or, you know, losing popularity or staying the same. Um, and so if we're trying to figure that out, then I think we need to think about metrics in, in maybe in the, in the sense of like having a life cycle. So I went through and you can think of it like there's child metrics. So that would include the WWE network. The W network is, is not a, a fully mature business. Um, it started in 2014, and if you look at a graph uh, of, of their subscribers, you're, you're going to see it, it starts out about a half a million, and here we are in the present, uh, just after WrestleMania, where they had you know, 1.66 million. And we're not at a steady state for the, for the W network. Absolutely, um, and, and I'll just interject here. Yeah. I would also remind people, we have about one year that we can compare year over year. Because prior to a year ago, almost nothing is comparable because you didn't have the same countries of the world available. You didn't have that, the same yeah. uh, uh, free schedule available. You didn't have free WrestleMania available. And so there's very little in my mind that you can compare year over year absolute numbers until this year. Q1 of this year is pretty comparable to Q1 of last year. We had free WrestleMania both years. We had India in the marketplace. We had all the other countries of the world already in the marketplace. We had pretty much everything going. But prior to that, every year there's something where I would put an asterisk next to it where they'd say, oh, my God, look at the jump in 2015. And I would say, well, you realize, or 2016, I'd say, do you remember when the UK came online? Do you remember how that impacted things and so forth? And so it's it's very hard to say year over year is the same except for this year. And so if you think about something being less than a year old in terms of maturity, then absolutely that's a child metric. Yeah, and, and you're talking about availability. So like the, the network was, was rolled out just to the U.S., and then, and then, I don't know, about a year later, you, you, then it was made available in the UK and various countries after that to the point where now pretty much every country except for China has access to the network. If you want to be a subscriber, you can sign up. Yeah. Um, so, so, I'm, so I'm, not, I'm talking about an, an overriding uh, development in media besides that in, in that people are still becoming more and more accustomed to technology that's, that's associated with 
consuming W network that, you know, OTT technologies, like, like you know, things yeah, like, yeah, you're exactly right. That, and I know yeah. you say, you know, 2019, 2020, maybe we'll have saturation. I think that's a great point because to me, yeah. it's like in 2014, the fact that we had 667,000 on WWE network and we had hundreds of thousands of people who bought WrestleMania through traditional pay-per-view because right. they didn't feel that the network was going to deliver in the way that they could get it the way they wanted it. It says And we still have some, it's not a lot, but there there still are some to this day people buying W pay per views on traditional pay per view. For whatever reason, whether it's because they don't have great access to broadband internet in their area or they they or just the notion of doing whatever technologies involved with getting the network set up is just too much for them. Um, but like so like I said, I think as we go forward as more and more people get OTT devices in their homes. I think in the, in the next couple of years, like I said, maybe 2019 or 2020, I think we're going to be at the point where, all right, everybody who's going to accept this technology has, for the most part, accepted it. And then we'll, be, we'll finally be at the point where, at least year over year, the WWE Network subscriber numbers are going to tell us something about WWE's popularity. Whereas right now, it's just going up and up year over year indefinitely until this metric reaches its maturity. Um, so that's that's number one, that's a, a child metric, and WV is a child metric. And then you can look at an adult metric. So what are adult metrics? Uh, and those are W YouTube numbers that looks like have just achieved adulthood. Like I say in there, they're, they're kind of a young adult, maybe somebody in their early 20s. And I don't, look I at, don't suggest any of our, our listeners Google adult metrics unless they uh, have safe search Ooh. turned on. Yes. Yeah. Make sure you've got an incognito tab out there. Um, so if you, if, if you look at all the WWE's uh, YouTube numbers, which they publish publicly as part of their key performance uh, indicators, uh, those numbers just had explosive growth, you know, half a billion per quarter and then uh, in about 2012. And then by 2015, they were doing you know, billion, a billion and a half, two billion per quarter to the point now, 2016, we've got a, a, a full look at a year where they did between 3.6 and 4 billion YouTube views. So it looks like well, maybe that metric has achieved its maturity. And now that metric, you know, at least year over year, will tell us something about WWE's popularity. Um, so, and, and there's other metrics that are kind of new metrics, stuff that's available publicly. It's not necessarily... It's not necessarily stuff that W would look at internally because they probably have better uh, metrics to look at. But I, I look at Google Trends, uh, which is a, if, you, if you go to if you Google Google Trends, and you, you can type in any uh, the keyword, any, and then you can look at the worldwide popularity. Right, and which, you can which, you can which speaks a little bit to also to when you're talking about the YouTube views. You know, they they keep saying to us that 80% of the consumption of of social media is outside of the U.S. right now. 80% of the video views in the non-WWE yeah. network context. I think it's 70, but yeah. Okay, 70. But either way you put it, and they talked about India being the largest, quote, social region of the world. So sometimes I think it's tough to understand how can one metric be exploding while another metric is kind of flat. And I, I do think that there's some elements of country regionality playing into this in terms of... Uh, uh, I, I am curious how much of the 4 billion views WWE is getting there. Is that all real? Is that a lot of spam? Is that a lot of search yeah. bots? What What is driving it? And the fact that it's leveled off, you know, that's 
that's really interesting to me to say is that mean that you know we're filtering that out that we are reaching peak consumption that we uh just you know it's a fad yeah i mean these are developing markets india has got however many billion people they have it who knows but so if you look at Google Trends, and if you look at Google Trends across the last, you can look at them going back to 2004 on Google Trends, and you, and you see, you don't see a lot of uh, volatility. It, if you just look at that, you, you would, it would tell you that W interest is, is relatively stable. And in fact, it, it goes up in, in April 2017 this year. It, it goes up at, just about at every April, because that's, of course, when WrestleMania is. So you got that. I mean, you don't... You don't draw a conclusion off of that alone, but that's one thing telling you, uh, you know, it looks like interest is pretty stable. There's other things like, like uh, Wikipedia page views have come out now. Those go back to only July 2015, so those don't tell us a lot yet. Um, but then you look at the oldest metric, I think, in all of wrestling history, and that's attendance. And I've, I've got a graph in the article going back to 2006, uh, up to 2016, uh, breaking attendance down by event type. That's going through uh, pay-per-view, raw taping, SmackDown tapings, international house shows, and, and U.S. Canadian house shows. And you don't see a ton of volatility there. Well, uh, I, I would say the one thing that you do notice when you look at that is the international house shows. How right. There was a period when international house shows were drawing close to 9,000 a show. Which, yeah. to put in perspective, you know, 5,000 is your, your typical domestic show. And yeah. then it really started to sink between 2009 and 2012, where you got down to 6,000 or so a show, and it's bounced back closer to that 8,000 range now. So a lot of times, you know, you hear all those complaints from the international fans. Why doesn't WWE visit us more? Why, why don't they send their resources over here? And for a while, it, you know, there was a boom. It got really hot in Europe there, and, and you know, uh, Rikishi could make a ton of money in Italy. And the Ultimate Warrior got paid to come back and, and all that stuff happening. But then it got cold. And at the same time, WWE also kind of gave up on the Mexico market uh, for all intents and purposes. And so now we're kind of seeing that bounce back in the last three years here. But I agree with you. No line goes from 12,000 to 6,000. No line goes from 4,000 to 10,000. Everybody stays in their lane of these five metrics that you mentioned here. of Pay-per-view on the top, raw in the middle international house shows followed by smackdown followed by normal house shows and right. it, it's it is kind of stunning that all five of them don't ever cross one over the other in all almost 10 years that we look at this here 11 years yeah and i, and I think if we looked at a picture of say the 1990s we would see a lot more fluctuation um especially going into, into the late 90s where things really exploded uh, i think if people are, are talking about you know wb's is, is wb uh Declining in popularity, or is it W's popularity changing a lot? I think from 2006 to 2016, it's, it's changed very little compared to I think the differences in popularity in the 90s. Oh, I don't yeah. have any I don't have any data on hand to, to back that up, but that's the impression I get. And and one thing, and I this is something I've always meant to dig in a little deeper on, is we have this notion that yes, there was enormous sellouts and action going on in the Attitude Era. But it's also important to kind of call out that they were running maybe 250 shows a year at that time. Then in the later years, they jumped up into the 300, 320, 330 range. And now you'll hear Triple H use a number of 500 something, but he's also including all those NXT shows with 150 people. 
So, yeah. you know, it's not really 500 shows a year, but there is an element of when you constrict demand a little bit, you're going to improve your house show attendance a little bit, but there's no way you can constrict demand to get house shows back up to 10,000 people a show like it was in the Attitude Era. But it's funny that they actually make more money on live shows almost now than they did then just because quantity over quality or quantity over volume per show. Yeah. So so those are examples that that is YouTube, Google Trends, probably eventually Wikipedia page views. Wikipedia continues to make that public and attendance. Those three metrics I would call adult metrics, and, and those tell us that W's popularity is stable. It's not it's, it's not been declining. Um, and so when you, when you hear some people talk about, some people who are really smart talk about, you know, you know, uh, well, over the last 10 years, you know, John Cena has been on top, but, but, you know, the, uh, the business has, has declined in, at that time. And I don't think that that's true. Um, there's definitely the, the attitude era was definitely a boom and that, that boom ended at about, you know, 2001 or 2003. And then there's we've been in this sort of normal holding pattern ever since. Um, and then one of the things that people look at to, to justify that business has declined in the last 10 years or so is television ratings. And television ratings definitely have declined over the last 10 years. Um, but the reason that they've declined, at least in the last, I would say, three to four years, is because younger people are, are watching less and less traditional TV, including W programming. And I think especially in the, in the last couple of years where you've got so many alternative ways to watch Raw and SmackDown. You can watch it on, on Hulu. You can watch it, the clips on YouTube. You can go to your favorite pirate site and watch the entire show. So I think that's what it counts for, not just cord cutting, but people watching it in, you know, through alternate, alternate means of, you know, consuming WWE. Um, so, I, I, would, I would love someday to go back and do the math and try to figure out what the value per viewer has been for what they've paid for WWE programming cuz i would i would estimate it's it's skyrocketed over the last 20 years here in terms of what an advertiser or a TV rights fee is paying to acquire that person and i would be curious how that would index against other commodities that have you know gone up and down you know gasoline or gold or something <laughs> like that over time and just see you know what would been the better investment uh, i i agree with you in the idea of the saying I think that there's a lot of shifting going on and the interest in wrestling has has gone up and gone down. Um, I do think WWE in some ways is much stronger than it was maybe five or ten years ago. I think in some ways it's much more niche in the sense that once they lost the ability to be on a UPN type network, they lost the ability to connect with people that were not watching on a non-cable subscription. And I do think that hurts them, and that's one of the reasons that, you know, you are going to see an impact because not only is it the lack of certain kinds of stars that are going to appeal, but also it helped, you know, to have those alternative avenues so it wasn't an all-NBCU property that presented it, and now it's such a uniform thing. At the same time, I think the idea of a channel identity has has plummeted over the last five, eight, ten years here where, you know, growing up, the, the idea of the sci-fi channel is the sci-fi channel had sci-fi programming. And, mm. you know, remember how angry people were when ECW was on that. And now it seems comical to have that kind of affinity for a channel and the idea that a channel would program itself so narrowly. Um, yeah. We said the, the, the Nashville network became Spike TV, TV yeah. for guys or whatever, right? 
So yeah. it's it's a really good piece, and uh, I I think it's a good way of of kind of challenging people to think differently. And you have this funny little chart from MarketingCharts.com where you talk yeah. about the number of hours per week that people watch by uh, by traditional TV viewing by age. And it looks like five little snakes kind of running down a hill because uh, right. they go up and down and up and down and up and down. But you basically show that the stratification by age group is pretty huge where you have that 65 plus that's watching 45 to 50 hours a week. Whereas you have that 25 to 34 that is watching maybe 25 to 30 hours a week. And so it's just very different where TV is more and more an old person's game. Right. Because if you, if you look at that chart, it looks like if, you, if you're over the age of 50, you're watching TV and, and um, you know, streaming stuff isn't cannibalizing your viewership. But if you're younger than that, uh, if you maybe so like starting off if you're in the 35 to 49, it is you know siphoning off some of your viewership. And if you're younger than that, it, it does so to an even greater degree. And if you're 12 to, to, to 17, then you're, you're only watching, it looks like, about 15 hours per week of actual traditional TV. Whereas you know people in their in their fifties are watching uh, you know, fifty hours per week, um, but so, so one of the things that, that was written in the Observer uh, a couple weeks ago is you know Dave wrote that you know you know there's this 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 thing happening where you know the teenage boys aren't aren't watching uh you know WWE as much. He, he was comparing the the post WrestleMania Raws uh, uh, Raw of this year to last year's, and if you look at the demographics, you can kind of see that yeah like there's there's been a drop off among uh younger men and there's been an increase uh, among women and, and the female audience but there's been a drop off among men and especially younger men but i think that that, is, that doesn't take into account that overall throughout you know all of television viewership that you know younger people are, are moving away from traditional tv viewing and i i still would say it's an open experiment to see whether or not all of the crossovers with the total divas total bellas the female the divas revolution and whatnot whether that has led to a incremental female fan or whether that's just part of the mush you know of of the normal trends of the the coming and going of wrestling fans once you overlaid the fact that in some ways it improved the coverage of women's wrestling on in areas that you know previously were not interested in covering wrestling so you'd see a jezebel article talking about the divas that sort of thing um, or whether or not, you know, we, we are seeing more women watching wrestling. Dave's point is it's through attrition of teenage boys. And mm -hmm. so it, it will be really interesting to me if we can ever actually see that merited out one way or the other. Yeah. Well, I, th I think Dave did acknowledge that there was somewhat of a genuine in increase in the female audience. Um, and we can talk for forever about what, what the cause of that would be. But I, th I think there is a genuine increase in, in the female audience. And you can see that in the way the demographics you can see that in the way the viewership overall declines and the, the male demographics decline, but the female demographics hold up better. And that to me tells me that the female audience is increasing. So talk to me a little bit about YouTube. Um, obviously one of the big stories going on recently was the fact that uh, indie wrestling channels were acknowledging that YouTube has put their content behind the restricted viewing wall, which means they no longer can uh, monetize quite as well. It's really impacting some of them, they're saying. And then there's this big question going on about would WWE be impacted by this? And I, I've seen different answers to this. What has been your take and your understanding of did WWE get caught in the net? 
I don't I don't think they have because there's still ads running on their content and there's not ads running on indie content. Um, WWE is in March at least is it's probably an indication of where they are throughout the year. In March 2017, they were the number eight YouTube channel in all of YouTube. So it gives you an idea of how important WWE is to YouTube. They do something like like 40 million YouTube views per day on average. Um, so they they've probably got a preferred relationship with YouTube. So YouTube's going to make sure that they're taken care of. Um, so for people who don't know what happened, it looks like it looks like it started happening in late March that um, pro wrestling content started to be moved over to to be a to be identified as restricted or to be to be put into their to YouTube's restricted mode, which makes it so that well, first of all, if you if you if you search in restricted mode, which most people aren't because you're not searching in that mode by default, but if you search in, in restricted mode, you you won't find very much wrestling content, especially in ring wrestling content, um, and because it's in that mode, it's, I mean, they, we, we don't really know a lot about what exactly is happening and, and what you, YouTube is really doing. Um, but the, the, the videos that you can't find in restrict, restricted mode are also the videos that aren't producing any more ad revenue. And, and, for, and from, any, from, yeah. you know, it, it happened to me the other day because I was reading on the board. Someone gave a rundown of the Big Japan death tournament, uh, death, death match tournament. And they talked about all the guys, and they mentioned a couple matches, and I thought, you know, I, I'm curious. You know, I haven't watched deathmatch stuff since the '90s, so this, I'm curious what's happening. So I went to look at it, and I thought, you know, if I Google this on my YouTube account for the rest of the year on the sidebar, there's going to be all this horrific stuff. <laughs> so I'm going to sign out of my channel, and then I'm going to look for this. And of course, what happened the moment I signed out of this channel? is you can't find a scissors death match in non-restricted mode. Who would have believed it? Uh, so so I had if, you're, if you're not signed in, you're in restricted mode? I believe so. I think it said oh. I had to sign in to verify my age, oh, and then familiar. I was unable to. And so I, I, they, they required an age verification before I could turn off restricted mode, as oh, I recall. Okay. So I wasn't thinking about that in the context of this, but now I'm just kind of putting it all together. Uh, and yeah. I'm also remembering that uh, I watched a Scissors death match that's probably going to pop up in my YouTube. For the rest <laughs> of the so, which reminds me, WrestleNomics Radio is sponsored by the Dr. Dip uh, YouTube show. If you enjoy sauces and uh, serving sides, please check out Dr. Dip on YouTube with his uh, delicious, his most recent episode reviewing blue cheese and how much he and Nurse Honey Mustard hate it. Uh, that's one of my favorite shows. Yeah, it's a good uh, show. Yeah. So anyway, so with, with YouTube, there there are indie promotions that really rely on on YouTube ad revenue. I mean, it's it's not a huge source of revenue. I mean, you look at what WWE's doing; they're they're getting you know, you look at their digital media uh, segment, and it's making a, a few million dollars uh, per quarter in, in in Uibda, right? So it's not like this this big source of revenue, at least for on the WWE scale. But for promotions like Beyond Wrestling and AIW, these are in U- U.S. Indies. Beyond's based in New England, and AIW's based in Cleveland. Like th- these are Indies that you know th- they can make you know a few hundred dollars or maybe a, a, a thousand or two per month uh, from the the videos that they've got on their YouTube channel, which you know for for a small indie promotion is is a really big deal and, and is really the difference between you know making a profit or not. Um, and it's so, gone. And, and, and yeah, it's, it's, it, it, you know, it's, it's almost, it's almost down to nothing. It's not completely gone, but it's like, it's really close to zero. Yeah. It's, it's, it's PWG's laugh, last laugh that, uh, in yeah, the end, you're right. <laughs> going to be the only promotion making money here. The one that uh, has eschewed the, uh, digital distribution. 
Um, yeah. Well, there's a lot of different ways that indies approach things. Like like you're saying, PWG is still just selling DVDs. They have a YouTube channel, but they only use it to, to put out like trailers for, for their events, which do do quite well. But it's probably not a, a big deal to them. Obviously, DVD sales are. Um, <clears throat> you look at the other super indies like Evolve. Evolve is on YouTube, but it's not something that they rely on to the extent that Beyond does and to the extent that AIW does and then probably the, you know, the new What Culture Pro Wrestling promotion does. That's the um, one that I was really curious about is, is What Culture has kind of made its own name by the fact that they've been able to monetize everything. I would imagine since it's talking about wrestling rather than showing wrestling, it's going to continue to do just fine. But um, the What think, Culture yeah. promotion itself might, might, of course, suffer. But then again, they also have created a payroll paywall for that one too. Where you right. they're, they're doing eye pay-per-views as well. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about um, one of the promotions that doesn't have such a good uh, streaming service, and that's ROH. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it's been years since WWE Network has launched. Uh, both Ring of Honor, uh, Impact On Demand don't really have OTT services. For a little while, Impact had um, like a, a YouTube, I know, service where you could buy certain matches and certain things, uh, and they tried to monetize that way. Uh, but Ring of Honor has just had that kind of limited streaming through ROHWrestling.com. And, you know, rumors flying a few weeks ago about WWE wanting to buy Ring of Honor. WWE wanted to buy the back catalog of Ring of Honor. WWE wants to get the streaming rights to the old back catalog. And uh, what would have been your thoughts and what have you learned as you follow the story? Well, I, I know we, we saw last week that in the Observer it was reported that the uh, those – Talks of WWE and you know, buying Ring of Honor have died, um, and, and who knows what will happen. Now we've got uh, Sinclair Broadcasting. Look like it's going to make a, you know a big acquisition and open up its footprint. There's talk of maybe Ring of Honor getting on WGN or something like that. Yeah, if they but, if they acquire the Tribune Broadcasting, right. they just which, which, which they haven't yet, no. I guess. But they, they it was a whole FCC compliance rule, and they had to get the right. rules changed, and the rules did change, and then they immediately acquired some other rinky-dink little uh, TV conglomerate. Yeah. So uh, but, Sinclair's but making I, moves. Yeah, but I, so, but I look at, like, you know, it's, it's been three years now since WWE Network launched. And that, because WWE is, is, is such a such the trailblazer for, for wrestling fans, so you, you get the WWE Network out there and you, you get all these wrestling fans used to the idea that you, you can have an OTT service for a wrestling company. And here we are three years on, and, and TNA doesn't have one, or Impact Wrestling they are now. Impact Wrestling doesn't have one, and Ring of Honor doesn't have one. Um, and I think that's, that's interesting. Like, well, I, don't, I don't know what the good reason is why they, why they don't, you know? Well, I don't let's, know if... let's put Flow Sports in the mix here. So our yeah. Flow Slam comes along, uh, Division of Flow Sports, and as they go through and they talk to people about, you know, what should we do, what should we acquire, I imagine people say to them, Hey, have you thought about this Ring of Honor business? This is your best opportunity. I know you and I looked at kind of affinities for wrestling companies, and and what came out of that was, if you go on the basis of notoriety and kind of popularity and excellence, uh, at the very top of that list was pretty much Ring of Honor, where something like TNA had a lot of, uh, a lot of fans knew of it, but they didn't have a very positive view yeah. of it. Well, TNA has had a lot of brand damage throughout its its history, and I think that that hurts T- TNA to the point where they can't and haven't for several years now done house shows. I th- I think 
within hard, really hardcore fans, and who knows what this means for the audience at large. I think Ring of Honor is is not as strong as it as it once was in terms of perception, at least Agreed. among the hardcore audience. Oh, it's certainly it's fallen in the last I think year and a half here, and partially I attribute it to the fact that there's less exclusivity to their uh, in-ring talent where, you know, yeah, the Young Bucks might be a star there, but the Young Bucks are a star in New Japan too and every other indie in the world. And every other indie in the world also has television streaming now. So you you have that element where I think some of what made Ring of Honor such an interesting, unique thing, we're seeing less and less of it be that. And at the same time, it's almost become a proxy force for New Japan where people are really excited about the New Japan talents. And granted, there are some great things that Ring of Honor has put on and and some talents there. And, you know, having Christopher Daniels has been doing some of the best work of his career recently in the Briscoes and things of that nature. But uh, I think the fact that Ring of Honor and Flow Slam couldn't come to an agreement says a lot, too, about the management of Ring of Honor in terms of it's not clear what their endgame is, but it doesn't seem to be just a simple money play. It seems to be kind of an all-or-nothing type thing where they want to either get out of the business and sell that or, you know, not really dink around with somebody else. Yeah, I think Sinclair is happy to have this this programming that makes enough money probably to pay for itself and, and they don't have to worry about pumping too much money in, in, in it in the way of lighting or whatever else, you know, whatever other improvements people would like to see uh, for Ring of Honor. Um but I think the the one thing that's made Ring of Honor less of a of a hot thing among among wrestling fans is that it's not it's not the uh, you know lots of people have said it and can say it better better than I can. Is Ring of Honor is not the Ring of Honor that it used to be. I, I watch it sometimes and I think you know. And I think you went to some of the early ROH shows, right? I was at the debut show, the very first one. There you go. And I, I feel when I watch Ring of Honor today, I. I feel like if this was called Smoky Mountain Wrestling and not Ring of Honor, I, I would I would like it better because I, I wouldn't have you know it, you wouldn't have this this image in your mind of like it, ha- it has to live up to the the thing that you know Brian Danielson and Loki and Samoa Joe built you know. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think it's interesting. I think it's interesting that Lucha Underground is now on Netflix, and so for yeah. the first time, people you know who didn't have El Rey Network, which I have El Rey Network actually on my cable system, I don't have access. So uh, I'm I'm in that minority there where I do get that and I do get to watch it. But I think it's neat that it's on Netflix. But I would also say it's making less of an impact than I think I thought it would. I thought people, you know, would would really be over the moon by the fact that, you know, you would have these seasons of wrestling content available on Netflix. And it's not really having that impact the way I kind of thought it might. Right. It, Lucha Underground's buzz it might be wearing off. I, I say that just anecdotally in, in when I listen to people talk about wrestling, you don't hear that much buzz. I know, I know they're off of their season right now, and they'll, they're on hiatus, and they will pick which, it back up soon. Which, which brings up the interesting idea there where, you know, we've talked a lot about the idea of wrestling having seasons, and mm-hmm. I think Lucha Underground does create this cautionary tale about the inability to uh, prolong the interest and maybe it's just the fact that it's not the NFL, so it's not that you can build the interest up for that, you know, those six months there as much as you can with some other sports. But it, there is a challenge with wrestling where I don't know whether we've been conditioned to expect it year round or what. Uh, I do believe you can have rotation of talent and give people an off season. You know, not everyone has to work twelve months a year, but I, I do think that there's something to be said that Lucha Underground has become so erratic that it's really hard to invest sometimes in it 
because you you don't feel like oh you know in six months i want whatever's best most interesting wrestling at that time i don't want to wait for a product that's been taped and sitting on a shelf for six months yeah i mean when you're lucia underground and you're you're only on the LRA network it, it's hard to educate wrestling fans habits when you're not WWE and, and WWE has done such a great job of making itself Kleenex or scotch tape that they, I think I, I feel this way about indie wrestling too like WWE uh teaches everybody what wrestling is and so the, I guess the point is to to teach people that there's a, a season for wrestling you know like like there is in the NFL like everybody knows that the NFL season goes from September and then the, the Super Bowl happens in, in January or fe- or February. And that, it's been that way for decades. You know, and when you've only got a handle on a very small part of, of the wrestling audience like Luge Underground does, it's really hard to to educate people in that way and to create new habits. You know, if WWE you know, woke up tomorrow, Vince woke up tomorrow and decided he wanted to do seasons of some sort, you know, he would have a lot more power to do that. Agreed, agreed. So uh, we're getting towards the end of the show here, so we're going to do our quick hit section. This is where we're going to give each uh, person, Brandon and I, about one minute to pitch uh, something we've read about or written about or interested in. And uh, we'll go back and forth until we run out of topics or run out of time. I'll go first. Uh, Number one, I'm going to say is Vince's hair. Uh, A crazy article I read on Forbes today uh, talking about Donna Goldsmith, uh, the former COO of wwe who uh has apparently really soured on her time there she seemed much happier when uh, uh she was first interviewed and, and in, in frequent interviews she's she's kind of dropped back but she ends it with this crazy story about how stephanie mcmahon gave her an envelope with vince's shaved hair from wrestlemania from the battle of the billionaires and donna had no idea what to do with it uh stephanie said maybe you want to use it in merchandising and then she just eventually threw it away and described wwe as a kooky place to work uh, so that's my uh, first. How, how long was she with the company for? You know, uh, many years. She was she was right really? before um, uh, Michelle. I want to say six years or so. Uh, she was yeah. kind of like she was the hot thing before Barrios came around, and okay. uh, uh, Michelle Wilson was was very much kind of a right arm person. Um, I don't know whether it was the Linda kind of really getting out of the business or what, but uh, Ian Frisch's article uh, for Vice also interviews her kind of extensively, and uh, she's kind of come out of the woodwork in recent years. Uh, her and Michael Silic more and more of uh, the former CFO and the C- former COO. Um, anyways, that's my quick hit. What's yours? Oh, uh, let's see. There, there's a, a good article on, let's see, is it rohworld.com? This is written by, I'm going to try to pronounce his name correctly, Lavi Margolin. It's just looking at what happens if Ring of Honor is, uh, if Sinclair acquires Tribune and, and what that means for Ring of Honor. And that could mean anything from getting, finally getting coverage in New York City, L.A. and Chicago, to getting on WGN, to just being sold, but you know, and, and you know, sold out to W or whatever it might be. And and uh, I, I'm glad you brought up that article, and I'm glad you tried to pronounce the name because I also was unable to, to figure <laughs> out how to say his name. But it's I appreciate sound it out. Yeah, uh, my my quick hit, uh, me versus NISAC. Uh, that's the New York State Athletic Commission. I've can uh, back in August I asked for some freedom of information law records about WWE touring in New York State from 2010 to 2015. I was hoping maybe I could find some commission records that said here's the paid attendance or you know uh, medical or just I was curious what they had and it said I could ask and so far the commission has has repeatedly 
uh, uh, delayed, 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 delayed. And uh, my most recent delay uh, was so egregious that I basically wrote them a letter saying, I think that I can count this as a dis dismissal and I can appeal this action now with the Freedom of Information Office because uh, you have failed to deliver anything. And I received back a letter saying that I would get my information in May of 2016. Uh, I wrote them back and said, I, I hope you understand it's May of 2017 that you probably meant. And uh, they agreed that was what they meant. And they promised me it would be there. So uh, uh, maybe in a, a couple shows from now, we'll see whether or not I have my commission records from NISAC or whether they're going to admit that they've never kept them after all. So mm -hmm. we'll find out. Uh, I, I would love to – I'm going to feed you what your uh, quick, quick hit is, and I want to know more about Eric Bischoff's IRW. I have no idea what this is. Well, so do I. This is just something I heard about yesterday. I guess he's doing – it looks like this site was launched uh, a few weeks ago. IRW – so Eric Bischoff is behind this thing called IRW, which stands for Independence Rule Wrestling. Um. If you if you go to irwnetwork.com, you'll see a it's a website that's very much in development. They, I think they say it's you know they're doing beta testing for it, but they they put out a tweet um, I think yesterday saying you know if, if to uh, any indies who are affected by this uh, YouTube ad revenue thing you know DM us and uh, you know maybe we'll work together. And uh, Beyond Wrestling was on Twitter today and, and said, yeah, we DM'd them and they never got back to us. <laughs> but it looks like Eric Bischoff's trying to do something maybe sort of like Flow Slam in that he's trying to put together a bunch of indies and put them on one site. Uh, Powerbomb TV is another one like that. And to, uh, you know, bundle them up all into this one network where you can get a bunch of indie wrestling. I don't know. I, I'm not terribly optimistic about it because uh, – at least versus YouTube, because YouTube is this thing where you've got, you know, billions of people looking at it and and to just get people to to a site because they're wrestling fans is, is a really different story. You know, and I want to say Eric was also behind the Matt Rats uh, yeah, experiment so. in the early 2000s. So it's it it's easy to kind of scoff at the idea of Eric Bischoff and independent wrestling in the same sentence. But he has tried before to kind of see if he can be on the forefront of ideas. Uh, I don't yeah. think this sounds like it's the forefront of ideas, but uh, it's an idea, and uh, he's always been about <laughs> you know syndicated media opportunities with him and Jason Hervey. So who knows what's yeah. going to happen with that? It's weird to go on that website and and like to know Eric Bischoff's behind it, and and there's a lot of like championing of independent wrestling. It's like I don't, I don't know. Does, does Eric, I can't imagine Eric Bischoff like you know firing up a WWN live and like watching an Evolve pay per view or something like that. If you had said it was Vince Russo's independent wrestling, I, I would have believed it a little bit more. So, yeah, it's a little weird. Uh, I kind of thought yeah. Eric wanted to be done with wrestling at some point here. So, who knows? Um, I I guess uh, the only last thing I'm going to say for my last quick hit is just going to be uh, lawsuits for WWE continue. Today, uh, Bix and I were trying to figure out WWE filed 101 exhibits, <laughs> and yeah. as far as we can tell, they're all just news articles, so there's nothing interesting. But uh, it was really weird because it was a little bit like the business conference. Uh, they were filed on the 14th, but they didn't show up until the 20th, and so we didn't even notice them for a little while there. Uh, but uh, we're trying to figure out what that was. I did find the WWE schedule, and I got that published uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, yeah. where WWE did its anti-bootlegging lawsuit. Uh, they got it sealed so that nobody knew it happened. And then when it got unsealed, uh, I was able to find it and get that schedule out there. And so I thought that was pretty cool. 
um, finding that again, knowing I, I still can't find the one from Texas from last year. So uh, not quite sure what happened with that one. But uh, WWE still continues to do this anti-bootlegging lawsuit where they give them a schedule for the full year. Fortunately, this year, no arena capacities, no uh, no, no attendances, cities, <laughs> no yeah. attendances. But, uh, you know, anything's better than nothing. So I always love the fact that there's some things there. And as Bix and I have discussed, uh, we think WWE may be a little bit more careful about what they file in these exhibits, knowing that there's some prying yeah. eyes of myself oh, yeah. and then I'll Bix they... over at Deadspin. They know you're out there. Yeah, they know. They see us when we're sleeping. They're they, the Santa yeah. Claus of uh, the they, internet. They know the gotcha media is about to get them. <laughs> Do you have a last hit here, or are we uh, ready to sign off? I don't know. Uh, I, if you want to talk about uh, athletic commissions, I don't uh, here. Here, I'll, I'll kiss up. You know, Sean Rossap has a uh, article about the Kentucky State Athletic Commission and all the things that they've been through with the, uh, the IWA Mid, Mid South and how they require wrestlers to have. Uh, blood tests, yeah, pers- and 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 uh, licenses. Like you have to have a license before you even start to train in Kentucky. It, it's crazy. And New York State is another one where I could go on and on forever about the New York State Athletic Commissions and, and the um, the many expenses that they uh, inflict on independent promotions in the state. But maybe another time. <laughs> another time, indeed. And and I, I certainly have no love loss for uh, NYSAC myself. I remember when I moved to Minnesota. My first thing I was like, well, what does it take to get to run your own indie fed here? And they're like, nothing. You you just do it. And I was like, amazing. You must be joking. Amazing. I don't have to file a fire plan, have a doctor on yeah. site, an ambulance on call, and yeah. twenty five thousand dollars worth of insurance from a kickboxing broker in California. Yeah, like, we have uh, to have an ambulance now. It's insane. You have to drop like you know twelve to fifteen hundred dollars right off the bat before you even pay talent. Uh, yeah. Another time. <laughs> Another time. Well, this has been uh, Revamped WrestleNomics Radio. My name is Chris Harrington. You can find me on Twitter at MookieGana. If you want to reach me by email, chris.harrington at gmail.com. And uh, WrestleNomics.com is my blog. That's where you can find that 262 snapshots from the uh, WWE Business Partner Summit. That's going to be my plug for the week. Check that out. And with me is Mr. Brandon Howard. Mm-hmm. Is this part why I do plugs? You sure do. Yeah. If you can follow me on Twitter at Brandon Thurston, B-R-A-N-D-O-N-T-H-U-R-S-T-O-N. I write for Fightful.com. I post a few things a month at least on Fightful.com. If you go into the Features section, click on Brandon Howard, you'll see everything that I've written in chronological order. You can email me if you want at Brandon at Fightful.com. I'm a wrestler. I train people too. Graphs Anonymous here in in Buffalo, New York, Lackawanna area. Do you also cover Tonawanda? Uh, I, li- I live in North Tonawanda. Okay. You mean? <laughs> <laughs> I just, I'm just trying to show my regional knowledge oh, of yeah, uh, yeah. Buffalo. <laughs> That's right. This has been WrestleNomics Radio. Uh, we are a member of the Voices of Wrestling Network, and we are proud for their support and their help over the years here. You can check us out. We're going to be coming back weekly, bi-weekly, very often in your, in your eardrums, uh, 45 to 60 minutes of WrestleNomics Radio. Have a good night. In a world of one million wrestling podcasts, there is a new shining star with great interviews, analysis, music, and, and me, Matt Coon, on total engagement. Go to any podcast platform to listen today. What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. 
It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland, for innovators everywhere. Visit highland.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.